0: 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to read this passage here. And we will just read verses 18 to 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 to 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole, whole, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read that one more verse there, read verse 24, or I'll read it out loud. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. This is God's Word tonight. We're going to actually draw from some of the commands here to guide us tonight. Um, again, tonight we're talking, we're talking about what do I do with, with the, the idea of Halloween. It's coming up on us. comes up every year, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow, isn't that amazing? Anyways, we have Halloween coming up. You know, there was a family in our church uh, that I asked them some, well, few, some years ago, I said, why they're not here anymore? I said, Uh, we got talking. I visited them when I first met them. And somehow the conversation came up. Maybe it was because it was around October when I was visiting them. And they just started talking about Halloween. I said, yeah, we did Halloween. We used to, uh, for our first couple kids, we'd go out and stuff, you know, went out a little bit, did the traditional thing. And they said, and then we met, uh," and I don't know if they met this person at their church or just randomly. They said, we met a Christian lady who was a former witch and um, she had a family she was married had some kids and she said we we said she said we got to know her and got to listen to her and and it kind of changed our mind and uh she they said uh, this this lady this former witch now soundly converted to jesus christ this is what she said she said when we were witches we loved halloween this is This is the witch, former witch speaking. We loved Halloween. We loved dressing up on that day. We loved it because we looked at it as our way of showing worship to Satan. And then she said, also, we liked it when we saw other people dressed up. Because we looked at it as they are showing worship to Satan, even if they didn't think they were. She said, we like that. She goes, that's why I don't do it. I'm converted to Christ. I don't, I'm not on that side anymore. I don't do that. I, she said, I, what I do is uh, once a year, <clears throat> we'll do something different on October 31st, something else. She said, but what we'll do is my kids, because they, they, they want to have a little fun. So we said, we'll do fun similar but on another day what we'll do is like 2 weeks later in November we're going to have a fun day your your friends can come over but they can only dress up as an animal not a werewolf either that's not an animal but an animal we'll have a day in November she said and you and you kids you my kids you can dress up get your friends they can dress up everybody can dress up we'll have like an animal dress up day and we'll have some sweets and whatever you know and just push a type of fun like that on another day and be different from the traditional cultural push that's put on us every other year. And what I realized is they said that that helped us. That helped us give some context to all right, we should stop because if they're viewing us this way, I don't want to be viewed like that. If I'm being viewed by other, and I'm not, I don't know how many are like that, but if I'm being viewed by other pagans or Satanists as, ha. <laughs> doing it too even if i'm not worshiping satan but they think they view me that way i purposely don't want to do it then i don't want to have any appearance of evil to the evil that's what they said now this is what gets me when i hear a former witch this is how i used to be i loved halloween we love dressing up and i'm sure they did a bunch of other deeply pagan things that are not innocent But when she was saved, it changed. It was different. And it's kind of like what the Bible says. You were once in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of light, it says in Ephesians 5. So she actually did change indeed and in other ways. And so we have on us, I mean, here we are. Again, I said this this morning, so many holidays, right? we got all kinds of holidays coming up. So many things that, are, that come upon us, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and St. Patrick's Day and Valentine's Day and all kinds of stuff that, that come on us. Um, we are obligated to no holiday. I, I'm not telling you not to celebrate a holiday, I'm saying, based on the Bible, that we don't have to celebrate any holiday at all. God says in Colossians, Let no man judge you in respect to meat or drink or in respect to or a holiday or the new moon or the Sabbaths. Don't let anybody come down on you because you don't get on board on any holiday. You don't have to celebrate Christmas. You don't have to celebrate Thanksgiving you certainly don't have to celebrate uh, these others you don't have to in other words it's not like if you don't do it God looks down on you we might have people that might look down on you on some of these what I would say innocent holidays but God won't so we're not obligated to any but there are big ones and this is a big one that's coming up and it's good to I I want you know I want us as a church family to just kind of think through this deal um, all right so let's start out I wish I had I just ran out of time this afternoon wanted to get some of these things up on the screen but here's some fast facts about Halloween according to I got this from CNN okay I don't think CNN is going to try at all to give a Christian slant yeah. all right I don't think they have any interest in the Christian slant or conservative mind so this is what they said uh, on their uh, news sources this month uh, most of you know some of this, but Halloween, what? It's, it comes from, well, the word Halloween, All Saints' Eve or All Hallows' Eve is the eve before a Catholic holiday. The Catholics made up at some point to compete with something that was pagan. That was already going on. But Here's what they say. It came from a pagan festival celebrated by Celtic people over 2,000 years ago called Soen. It looks like Sam Samhain, but it's called pronounced Soen. This festival, this pagan festival, again, pagan is the word CNN's using. Pagan festival took place in UK, Ireland, and northwest France. So end, the word actually means summer's end. It marks the beginning of winter, and the Celtics believe that in was a time when the dead could walk among the living. Trick-or-treating began in the United Kingdom and Ireland, in those areas. People went house-to-house, souling. That is, they were asking for small breads called soul cakes in exchange for prayer. Adults also went door to door asking for food and drinks in exchange for a song or dance. Jack-o'-lanterns, the pumpkins, uh, are a symbol of Halloween. People in Ireland and Scotland originally used beets or turnips or lanterns or as lanterns on Halloween. There's an Irish legend that says that jack-o'-lanterns are named from a man called Jack, who could not go to heaven or hell, and he was forced to walk the earth forever with only a coal from hell to light his lantern. The name Jack-o'-lantern can also be derived from the night watchman who would light street lanterns every evening. Then immigrants from Ireland and Scotland, of course, we got a lot of migration in the United States in the mid to late 1800s and early 1900s. uh, Immigrants from Ireland and Scotland brought Halloween to the United States then, and then also Haitian and African immigrants also brought aspects of that, because there's a worldwide effect on this. They brought voodoo and beliefs about black cats, fire, and witchcraft merged into it. This year they project that 65 Here's some statistics. This year they project 65% of Americans will celebrate or participate in Halloween. Um, 52% plan to decorate in some way, 44% plan to carve a pumpkin. Spending, how much spending do you think an American the the American uh, our nation would spend on Halloween? How much do you think we'd spend on Halloween? We want to guess. Too much. What's that? It's ten. It says ten point one billion on this stat. That's a lot. Let's just be honest, okay? A lot of times, some of this stuff is going because we got to keep this going. It's not always about the the holiday. It's about let's right. keep the engine of the of the money spending. So there's that. It's a it's a big consumer thing. The average consumer is supposed to will spend hundred and three dollars on decorations, candy, and costumes. All right, top costumes projected for this year in the kids, adults, and pet category. Top costumes, all right? Anybody want to guess a top kid's costume? Top kid's costume, anybody? What's that? Biden. Biden. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> <It's coughs> probably witches. All right, witch is number four. This is what they project. Oh, pardon me, number five of the top five would be a witch. All right. For kids, anybody else want to guess a top kids costume? John? not like ghost or something? Not on this one, not for this one. There is a ghost for number five for the ghost for the pet, So A skeleton? Not on here. Zombies. Huh? Zombies. You know what? I would have thought that too. That wasn't on there, though. Drew. Batman, okay. Yes, Batman's number three. All right, so top kids' costume, they project Spider-Man, Princess, Batman, uh, some other superhero, and a witch. That's for kids. Adults, top costumes for adults. Witch, number one. Vampire, number two. Ghost, and number three. Number four, cat. Number five, pirates, Okay. And then pet costumes. They anticipate top pet costumes. Number one, a pumpkin. Number two, a hot dog. (laughs) Or a hairier hot dog. You guys got one of those. A a scary rat. That's a scary rat. Number three, a superhero cat. Isn't that an oxymoron? What? Superhero cat. Oh, wait. Superhero slash cat. That's what it's saying. Okay. Not slash the cat, but superhero cat. Sorry. Or just number four a bumblebee for a dog a dog dressed up as a bumblebee and number five a ghost so you know again dressing up in and of itself is is it is fun now what's happening is you have the the ghoulish stuff the evil stuff we would say no let's not do that and then the idea of should we even dress up as something innocent on that day and i'm just saying let's avoid it let's let's do something different So, again, so the question is, do I just... Again, here's a major question we should often ask ourselves. Should I just go along? Should I just go along with the cultural norms? There's so many cultural norms right now, and they keep trying to push a new one or a new level of a cultural norm. A cultural norm means this is normal. What's wrong with you? Get on board. It's normal that uh, men should marry a man and a woman should marry a woman. That's normal. It's normal that, you know, we should um, j- just all kinds of d- weird stuff. Why don't you get on board? Well, some of these things are, again, this is, this is uh, another thing where it's like is, this is a cultural norm. Should we just go along with cultural norms? The answer is no, we need to, we need to test all things. We need to prove all things. That will be one of our points tonight. Is there anything redeeming? Is there any redeeming Christian quality? You don't have to answer me, but think about this. We think about all the holidays. Is there, what redeeming Christian aspect is there in, the, in each holiday? Think of each holiday. Yeah. Let's just wait. Let's think about it, though. That's how we should think. Wait a minute. What's a redeeming Christian issue here? Is there anything redeeming in Halloween? Is there anything redeeming in Thanksgiving to my Christian life? Think, that's how we need to think. So what do I do with Halloween? The scripture gives us some guidelines. Let's just actually just let these five statements of Paul from verse um, 19 to verse 22 guide us. Verse 19 is a statement. Verse 20 is a statement. There's two statements in verse 21 and there's a statement in verse 22. Let's let these statements of God guide us in this thought. Let these statements be a guide on how to handle this thing. First thing, whatever you do with Halloween, let's follow Paul's uh, imperative here, and that is, number one, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that mean, quench not the Spirit? Tell me. You can talk back to me now. Quench not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a fire, and His work is in us, as if when He's working, it's like a fire. And if we work against Him or we want to silence Him, it's like putting a fire out. Quench not the Spirit means don't suppress, don't try to put the fire out of the Holy Spirit. Don't suppress the Spirit's work or voice in you. The Holy Spirit can teach you better than I can. He is our teacher. He can guide you better than I can. And when he does, and when that fire is burning, and that fire is guiding, don't say I don't like, I don't care what you have to say about this Holy Spirit. Now I do want to know what you have to say about uh, me getting another job. You can tell me that. But when it comes to what I do for holidays and what I do for entertainment, shh, be quiet. Just put that out. No, Paul says, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. I remember. I, I, maybe I've told you this, but I, you know, I went to public school most of my life, and I harassed my mom one time. She might not even remember. Seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. I'm like, they, at Taylor Junior High, they had sc- to dance, the junior high dance. So I said, Mom, can I go to the dance? And she said, no. And the next year, can I, can I go to the dance? No. And I nagged her and nagged her and nagged her. Finally, she, I think she gave me permission. But um, um, it was ninth grade. I ended up going to this one of the ninth grade dances at Taylor Junior High. No, I didn't dance, and um, I don't know if I could have, but I went, and it was just like, when I was there, I was just like, this is honest truth. I was thinking, you know, I had a few friends there, and I was like, what am I, this is, what am I doing here? And I remember I felt like, you know, it's like the, there's was like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here. And I really felt that in my heart, like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you don't need to be here. And I remember just not, Thing, I don't fit here, and it's true because I was a Christian at the time and I didn't fit there. Uh, so then that was ninth grade. That was Taylor Junior High. Tenth grade is when I started at Mesa High School. New school, high school. Mesa at Mesa High started at tenth grade back then. I think it starts at ninth now. But went to there. Went to Mesa High. Cool, good new set of friends. You know, I still had my older friends from. A, yeah, cool. Okay, you know. And then a the thing, same thing. I think it was like one of the first. Uh, events of the year they had some football games and then there was a dance homecoming or whatever I don't know which one it was like, ah. and again I found myself going to that I, I went to a high school there. I didn't have a date by the way I didn't have a girlfriend or anything but I went and a couple of my friends were there and the same thing I thought you know what I'm just I want to go I'm going to go to this dance I'm going to go to this high school dance maybe, you know what back in the day maybe that was just me that was just me I you know I just need to I don't know. I had some excuse. My excuse. My. so then I went to the ninth, tenth grade dance at Eye. It was definitely ramped up a bit on the rowdiness and the spirit and the atmosphere. And I remember the same thing being there, like going in. It's kind of dark and people are dancing. And there, there was the slow and there's the fast and there's the, And I remember the same thing thinking. And the Holy Spirit was like the Holy Spirit was saying. You don't belong here. That's what I really felt he was saying in my heart. What are you doing here? This isn't you. And I kept thinking, that's true. It's not me. It's not me because it's of him, my identity in him. It doesn't fit. So I didn't go again. And it's not because I'm ultra spiritual. It's because I just have the Holy Spirit, and I guess I decided to, to listen to him on those times. And I tried to every time. You know, I want to say again, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with dancing. Dancing is not, you know, the Bible says praise him and dance uh, in the Old Testament. And if Paul said it in the New Testament, he'd have to tell us how to do that in the a, in a cycle of a ministry year. Uh, we don't know how to do that. So anyways, uh, but, but dancing in itself is not intrinsically wrong. It's just that the way this was done and the typical right. high school things, it's, it, it just wasn't helpful. And I just my point is I was wanting to quench the spirit. And I didn't, I did for a short time, but I didn't after I gave in. Now listen to me, whatever it pertains to a holiday or some party event, I'm not saying don't, I'm not trying to be a, um, you know, uh, try to get rid of all your fun in your life. Here's what I'm trying to say to everybody, no matter what you do, no matter what the next thing is, listen to the Holy Spirit of God in your heart. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Sometimes Christians, we get in our sanctified mind at church and during our services, and we go and we unsanctify our mind and we kind of let things loose, especially during the holidays. And you can kind of get a little loose with your attitude and your testimony once you leave or once you go places or the holidays come. You've got to still be who you are in Christ wherever you go. Quench not the Spirit. Here's some scriptures here. Isaiah 63:10. I'll quote it for you. But they, the children of Israel, they rebelled. They vexed His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He was turned to be their enemy, and He fought against them. Um, Stephen said to the rebellious Jews who didn't accept Christ, He said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye." Paul said, "And grieve not the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit of God." Whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. That's Ephesians 4 30. So, whatever we do, Paul, whatever it pertains to holidays or something else, say, What is the Holy Spirit showing me right now? How is He guiding me? And don't quench that. Number two, despise not prophesying. Look at this. Look at our Bible here tonight. Um, Paul says, Despise not prophesying. Okay. All right. So, what's prophesying? What is prophesying? Statements of prophecy. Now, this this certainly means the statements out of the Scripture that are already of the prophets. That's a prophesying. That's a prophesying. If somebody reads the Bible, reads particularly the Old Testament prophets, don't despise the words of the prophets. Secondly, I believe it meant when Paul told this first century church, despise not prophesying. It also would mean that there was a gift of the prophet in the first century that has since gone away since the scriptures completed. There was a gift of the prophet, which also an apostle already had, but there was also a separate separate gift of the prophet. And he says, if there's one who has that gift, don't despise his word. Usually the prophet speaks up when there's a relevant issue that's affecting everybody. He speaks... A directive, and Paul says when there's a prophet that's speaking a directive pertaining to a relevant issue or an upcoming event, don't despise him. Don't be like, yeah, don't listen to that old guy or that crazy nut. You know, that's what they said about some of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. So Paul says despise not prophesying. Prophesying could also mean somebody who's proclaiming the word of Scripture, a spirit-filled prophet person a spirit-filled man who's doing it honestly and earnestly speaking it's it in a sense it's speaking God's Word God's Word don't despise an honest proclamation of God's Word from a spirit-filled person who's handling the Word of God correctly don't despise that. I don't want to hear that did you know like um, this one story of the Rehoboam we talked about them recently Rehoboam um no pardon me it was Jeroboam Jeroboam wanted to set up this kind of alternate worship style in Israel early on and he had this cool altar and it was closer to some of the other children of Israel and he was offering on this altar and um God sent a man of God it was a prophet who came near while Rehoboam or Jeroboam was doing his thing, his custom-invented type of worship. And the, the prophet said, Oh, altar, altar! And he preached and cried against the altar, the new worship style that Jeroboam came up with. Oh, altar! And you know what he said about the altar? Shorten his message. He said, You're gonna break, and your ashes on on you, or on you are gonna be offered the ashes of the of some of the of the of the priests that offer on it so the ones that are offering on are actually going to get offered on that altar and that altar is going to break and uh the king josiah is actually going to uh offer uh burn those burn those priests and offer them on there but he preached against it and when he started preaching against it the guy who had this cool idea of this new type of worship in israel said Get that guy, get that. We don't want to hear this prophet. Get that guy. When he did that, his hand started turning leprous. He's like, ah, you know, and uh, or no, the Bible says, I think it said it like shriveled up or something, but he basically was smitten. And he did. The point is, he didn't want to hear from the prophet. I don't want to hear the prophet's voice. And so as it relates to like Halloween or some other issues, say, like, wait a minute, I want to hear the Holy Spirit. I want to hear the words of God. Now, let's narrow it down a little bit. As it relates to Halloween, what is one of the big things that's just weaved all throughout of it? And I'm not talking about candy and bobbing for apples and stuff like that. What is one of the big things that's very concerning to us that's weaved throughout Halloween? Tell me. Darkness? Darkness? Yeah. What else? Death. Scary stuff. How about name some, give me some nouns here like of people's. We mentioned one already, Dracula, witches, witchcraft, and stuff like that. So let's not despise the words right now of God's prophets that are already written. Listen to this. Leviticus 20, listen to this. It says, God said in Leviticus 20, Sanctify therefore yourselves, therefore, be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which do sanctify you. I'm going to make you different from the cultural norm, he says. And ye shall walk, you shall not walk. Listen to what God, listen to these words, Leviticus 20. Maybe you want to even turn there. I'm going to also look in Deuteronomy 18. Listen to God's words to his people in the Old Testament. I am the Lord your God, which do set you apart, sanctify you. You shall not walk in the manners of the nation, which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. Verse 26, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that you should be mine. Now, Deuteronomy 18, I'm going to read a few verses there. Verse 9, when thou art, he's telling Israel, Israel, when you come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, when you get into that land, do not learn to do like the countries that were before you. After the abominations of those nations, there, not shall, be, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter pass through the fire. That is, you've given your child and sacrifice to a false god so you think you'll have prosperity. You do not do that. You do not... Uh, uh, found any one of you that uses divination there will be none who are observer of times or enchanters or witch or charmer or consulter with familiar spirits or wizard or necromancer why God says for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord And because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee did you hear that so here Israel's going into a land that God's given them there's already some people in that land they're basically a bunch of pagans and people, witchcrafts, and devil worshipers and false words, all this stuff. And God says, I'm not gonna have you go in and merge with them. I'm going to remove them out, then you're going to come in. And some of this, too, was, was actually in battle, was he was removing them. But he says, We're not going to blend in with this, is what he says. We're going to be distinct, he says. All right, and then he says, "Thou shalt verse thirteen, Deuteronomy eighteen, thou shalt be per- perfect with the Lord thy God, for these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observer of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to so to do. Look, if you want to quickly in Second Kings twenty one, we're going to read about Manasseh. anybody want to guess how old Manasseh was when he became king? anybody want to know how old was he? Can you guess? Twenty five? No, he was young. 12, 12-year-old 12 kid. He was a king for a long time. King for a long time. Manasseh, 2 Kings 21, verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 6. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. It says his mom, who his mom was. And then it says, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord before the abom- after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Notice verse 3, 2 Kings 21. For he built up, listen to this statement. What did Manasseh do? He built up again, what? The high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. Altars for Baal. And he made a grove, as did Ahab, king of Israel, worship all the hosts of heaven and serve them. And altars in the house of the Lord he, put, he built, of which the Lord said in Jerusalem, I'll put my name. He built altars for all the hosts of heaven. In the two courts of the house of the Lord, he made his son to pass through the fire. He observed times, used enchantments, dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Here's the thing. Manasseh's dad was Hezekiah, he was a good king. Hezekiah cleaned house. I mean, you could read about He cleaned house, there was a lot of false worship and Paganism and idolatry and ungodliness, and he was cleaning up, man. He was cleaning up house, restoring original worship that God intended them to have. And a great story of Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah had a, a couple of faults too, you can read about, but he cleaned house and he got rid of it. And so, his son, when his son becomes king, the things that the, uh, the unhealthy things. That his dad got rid of, he says, let's build them back up. Let's bring the paganism back. And God said, That's a bad idea. And I'm finding out that I know paganism's all over the place, but I'm finding what I'm finding right now is that the things that kind of what we would say reasonable Christian leaders and parents have done for the last hundred years in the context of this country, of like, hey, we're gonna avoid, you know. You know we're gonna avoid some of this pagan stuff in you, what you see in like uh, uh, Halloween. We're not gonna do it, or we're gonna definitely do something else, or you know we're gonna avoid uh, some of the uh, even even some of the things that are just the types of the quality of movies we watch or wouldn't watch. You know there was. P- the Christian leaders and people of the past were more concerned and thoughtful about what what quality of thing are we entertaining ourselves in, engaging in. And now it seems like it's getting easier and easier to still be a Christian and a lot of Christian leaders just let's build that back up. Let's just go ahead and let's just go ahead and put this back in to our Christianity. Let's put Halloween back into our Christianity. There's a well very influential pastor out west here that um in Nevada, that his, he's, he, he wrote us on his blog a few years ago. He's like, why I celebrate Halloween, and I encourage you to. And a lot of us are his friends. So he's got a couple friends in here tonight. We're like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? He's like, ah, oh, don't email me stuff about the history of Halloween and paganism. Just, just save your time on that. And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't want one th- more thing that's going to that's gonna separate me from my neighbor." And I'm thinking that's not how that's not how you do it. It's like maybe we should distinguish ourselves from our neighbor, and um, and tell them why. And so I guess my point is this: sometimes we get to where I understand we need to understand our culture. I understand there's a lot of different things that happen, but as it comes to a point where there's comes a points where we say, no, this is too. Uh, Ungodly for me, or at least I want to make it clear that I'm that I'm differencing myself for the sake of God, uh, making a difference. And so, what does Paul guide us? Paul Paul says, um, "All right, uh, quench not the spirit." Number one, number two, despise not prophecies. Uh, number three, prove all things. So, this I almost made a whole message just out of this one statement: prove all things. Look what the Bible says there: um, prove all things. Hold fast that, which is good. The first part, prove all things. That means test it. Prove means, all right, scrutinize, test it. Here's just a command for us. And he didn't just say prove Halloween. He said prove all things. How many of us have... All right, maybe you won't want to admit it. I wonder if anybody's ever bought a car without ever test driving it in here. Maybe you have. But most of us... How many of us, raise your hand if you say... I want to at least test drive a car before, or truck, before I buy it. How many of you want to do that? All right, reasonable people here, even some reasonable kids. I want to test drive this thing before I actually buy it. You know what you're saying? I want to prove it. Um, I know the housing market's crazy right now. There are actually a few people that will buy a house without really being in it. But they'll probably at least look at it and do the virtual tour, you know. But most of us reasonable people will actually say, you know, I want to get on site here. I'll get there quick because somebody might buy it before me. But I want to get on site. I want to look it around, look around the house, pay a guy to do a quick house inspection and all that. Check out the structural integrity. And I'm going to prove this house. Prove means what is this really? That's what it means. I see the nice pictures there on Zillow and, whoa, that's fancy, cool little website tricks you got there. But I want to prove what this really is. And you get there and you prove it. and You check out the house and you have a professional do his examination. You prove and test this thing and then you buy it. And then the same thing for a major purchase. You know, you want to get a new flat screen TV and you'll do little diligence and you'll be like, okay, is that brand good? Let's read some reviews and you'll prove those things. And we do it for a major purchase. We do it for a major uh, like appliance or a house or whatever. We should do it for major holidays. What am I doing? What am I celebrating again? What's this about again? And prove all things. Now, Paul says then, hold fast that which is good. The the fourth point of advice is hold fast that which is good. Um, There are things that um, it seems that after proving let me let me ask you this let me ask it this way let's think of the major holidays. let's think of christmas thanksgiving resurrection sunday what and think of halloween what let me ask at least the three what redeeming christian value is there in thanksgiving somebody tell me is there is there is there a redeeming christian value Oh, yeah, well, that sounds real biblical. Yeah. It's because the, the person and the peoples that pushed for this had a biblical mind when it started in the first place. All right? So there's a redeeming Christian value to celebrate in Thanksgiving. You still don't have to. You don't want to. You have to give thanks to God. But if I do celebrate it, there's a redeeming Christian thing to that. What redeeming Christian value? Now, is there paganism probably that creeps in and non- nonsense creep into Thanksgiving? Yeah. Well, I'm going to hold fast at that, which is good. Christmas. Is there a redeeming Christian value to that at all? What is it? Bir- observing the birth of Christ. Were we commanded to do exactly that? No, we weren't commanded to, but we we're commanded to know Christ and observe all things that He taught and all things in the Scripture in that sense. There's a redeeming, Christ. wow, what a time to think of the incarnation, God in the flesh. We sing songs about it. There's a definite redeeming Christian value if you choose to celebrate Christian Christmas. Now, is there paganism in Christmas? Yeah, there's, there's paganism there. But I see a clear thing where I can, I can I think I can show a distinction if I choose that holiday. If you don't choose that holiday, that's your prerogative too. And then same thing, resurrection Sunday or Easter. Well, that's obvious. It's resurrection. But then there's the pagan part of it—the Easter bunnies and the fertility, the all that stuff. That's not a that's that's. A, so my point is is so here's some here's some holidays that if you choose them, at least we say oh, I'm choosing it because I'm a whole fast out, which is good. I'm gonna my my day is not a day with bunnies and in and, and eggs. Okay, if you want to do an egg hunt, do it on another day. I'm good with that. My wife and I say that. Go do an egg hunt on another day. I want to focus on Jesus on that day. Don't get a bunny. I remember uh, Pastor Pastor Hughes. uh, Pastor Hughes is instrumental in Brother Brother Derek's dad getting saved. I I remember one time, I don't know if it was my brother-in-law, somebody told me that he was having a service and he staged this. He staged this thing. And he's preaching, and it's like on Resurrection Sunday. And a guy, he staged a guy dressed up in a, in, a, in a bunny rabbit, come walking in and come interrupting the service. He's like, hey, what are you doing in here? You know, and he had a little confrontation. He says, You get out of here, you know. And he kicked the bunny rabbit out of the resurrection day service. You know, he was trying to say, hey, we want to make sure we're focused on Jesus coming out of the tomb, not the goodies coming out of the egg type of thing, you know. And so he he I, that just came to my mind. I thought that was pretty funny. But So we think of Thanksgiving, oh, there's something redeeming there. Christmas, something redeeming there. Resurrection Sunday, definitely something redeeming there. You know, we can think about showing appreciation of a holiday of, of July 4th. What redeeming Christian value is there in Halloween? Ah... Uh. Oh, Hallows Eve? Yeah, yeah. So that might be the closest thing. We remember the great godly saints on that night. I mean, the kids are dressing up, going around everything, doing it. But We're doing haunted houses. But really what we do, no, people aren't really, there's not, there's not really. That's, my point is that is that, is that um, there's not really a redeeming Christian value to it. But I see redeeming Christian value to the holiday, uh, to, uh, to the other holidays. And then he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil, Paul says. You know, Paul didn't say, hey, abstain from evil, because I think he took that for granted. Right? It's, it's taking for granted that I, he didn't, I stay out of bars, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't commit immorality. He already takes that for granted. He's saying abstain from the appearance of evil. I, I don't want it to be thought that I'm doing evil and, or that I'm associated with evil. And that's why the um, this family, this this former witch said, "We're definitely not going to dress up on that day, because I don't want my former witch friends and satanists to think even that I'm trying to show allegiance to Satan on that day." You can. This is how. This is a person who's concerned about being a testimony for Christ. All right, so it says, abstain from the all appearance of evil, it says. Now, I, um, I remember Pastor Paul Chapel. He, he's been a very good pastor, I believe, and, and a consistent pastor at Lancaster Baptist in California. And, um, and I just listened to a message that he preached to a bunch of pastors at the beginning of this, la- this month's outstanding message. About declaring the gospel, and he shared an incident that he had. Um, he said, "He said there was some kid, or pardon me. He said there was some. Um, there was a couple in his church that got saved. This was a few years ago, I think. And he said, um, he said uh, he says, but I could It was weird. He goes, I couldn't get them baptized. It was. I mean, he says it just took a little while. They weren't getting baptized, and I, I tried to encourage. Took a few months." For this couple to get baptized, I thought, oh, okay. Well, finally, this couple gets baptized, and um, I think it was him or one of the staff members baptized them at one of the services, and they get baptized, and then finally, Pastor Chapel comes back and circled back with the guy and his wife, and he said, um, he said, so, so what? What? What took? Why? Why'd you take so long getting baptized? And he said, oh, he said, we just. Well, first of all, this is what the guy said. First of all, we got, we got burned at this last church, so we're like, we don't know what we're getting into here. And so he said, we just wanted to watch you all, see what, what this is like here, and uh, observe. And then he said, also, you know, he goes, I've been watching you. He says, I'm your mailman. He says, I handle all of your mail. I, he goes, I make it a point to look on the outside of every piece of your mail. And Pastor Chapel didn't know that was his mailman. He said, so I'd look at every piece of your mail. Of course, he's not opening it. He says, I don't want to watch you. And then my wife, he said, my wife sees your wife at the store shopping sometimes. And uh, she would just kind of not get too close, but she'll follow her around a little bit and see what she's buying. And Pastor Chapel's like, man, that's a full-time job. <laughs> 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 but he said... It was, it was uh, eye-opening to think, you know, they were trying to watch the appearance and the substance of these people. What are they really like? Are they going to be different? They're proven to be different and true. And I think that's one of the things is that, you know, people are watching us and, you know, we don't have to come across as snobs or Pharisees or whatever, but there ought to be something different for the Lord's sake because he said, just like Israel... He separated us for His sake. And we also got to remember this, and we'll close, and I appreciate everybody's patience, is that think about this. I mean, one of the, cons- one of the things people are consumed with, and there's much more I'd like to say, but um, one of the pe- things that people are consumed with is the idea of death and horror. <laughs> you know, they get all into the, the death aspect and the fear and the horror and all that, and that becomes a, a, a point of attraction. And I remember as a kid thinking there's kind of like a thrill in something scaring me, you know. And then as I got older, I was like, this is not good because right. you dabble in the evil. And some of you know this, and some of your kids are, you, the occult and the evil, just stay away from that. The horror horror movies, stay away from all that stuff. Ouija boards, stay away from all that stuff. Witches, all that, those jokes that they do at home and going in your bathroom and shutting the door and turning off the lights and saying something in the mirror. Get away from that stuff. That's opening a door to Satan, even if you're a Christian, to his to his, uh, to his demons. Stay away from that stuff. But the, but the world thinks it's cool and cute and mess around with the demons and, and the idea of death and skeletons all over the place. You know? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say this. The whole idea of the Day of the Dead stuff, if you read this track, there's an interesting thing that he says about about the whole idea of in so many major cultures of the world. There's this Day of the Dead type of thing. Did you know that? It's not just an American thing. In Japan, in certain other continents, in Africa, in all over the world, there's this. What everybody's kind of has a similar thing. It's not called Halloween. It's called this in Japan and this in South America and. The, what? How did that happen? Why is it that there's kind of this common thing? Well, read that little track. He has a good, I think, a um, thing that goes back to Babel there in the scripture that explains some of that. But the whole idea is the world gets infatuated with death. Oh, cool death! But we got to remember this right here. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't uh, celebrate death. Let's remember. Jesus defeated death. He he put a death to death and we should be happy about that and he didn't play around with Satan he disarmed him and spoiled him he's still active and he still has things he can do to us but his days are numbered and we that are in Christ have ultimate victory over him so we are like I don't play with the devil I've already I know I've won my soul over him and I don't think death is fun and cute. People are going to go to one or the other forever through that door of death. I want them to know the one who defeated death and put a put death to death. That's what I want. And that's why I'm like, we got to have a different mind on this holiday, a different mind. And don't go along with the cultural norms. Do something different.